Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Do you worry about being liked by others? Do you hold back for what you really think or want for fear of upsetting others? You see, the desire to be liked, whether it's right or wrong, has a critical relationship to power. The characteristics we tend to expect or accept in women, like modesty and humility, are not the qualities that get professional recognition, which is unlike the qualities that society likes to see in men, such as self-confidence and assertiveness. These are the qualities that get talent ahead in their careers. However, women who are self-confident and assertive usually experience pushback for breaking the social norm. The bitter reality is that no matter how hard you try, there will always be people out there who don't like you. Learning to be okay with that is hard work, but you'll like yourself so much more for it and have a more fulfilling career. Meet our guest, Amber Schenevert, Group Director of Strategy and Insights and Culture Studio Lead at VMLYNR, who is also familiar with these roadblocks herself. Her parents raised her not to worry about being liked, but rather to treat everyone fairly, and that has earned her respect at work. As an expert in marketing and building brands, she allows herself to be challenged. She has always been a deep thinker and described as wise beyond her years. Join us as she shares and teaches us about setting boundaries, living out your purpose, and giving people opportunities to tell their stories. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Amber. Welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here and learn more about you and your journey. Um, I'm really curious. You have an amazing background and I'm looking forward to just like digging right into it. But Let's share with our audience right now, because I'm sure they want to know, you know, who you are, your journey, and kind of what led you to where you are now in your career. Yeah, so I have always been someone who has been uh, curious about the world around me. Um, I was very fortunate in high school to figure out what I wanted to do early, Um mm-hmm. I wanted to be a corporate attorney um, and and also potentially a child advocate attorney until I did a project in high school where I had to design and market my own product. Mm. And I decided that it was really important with my team member to do research with all of the different groups for our brand called Color Me Hosiery that changed Mm. colors when you Uh washed it in cold water or warm water and we figured Uh it would work because all our doll's hair would do that Um, (laughs) and it was also made from nylon and um, so when we submitted the project um, apparently I had done 10 pages of research um, (laughs) and did with did did some target segmentation segmentation all these things that I wasn't taught to do and my Mm -hmm. teacher said 
um, this is really advanced for you. <laughs> I didn't tell you to do this. She said, most students gave me a paragraph. You gave me 10 uh -huh. pages. And she said, and I know you wrote all of this because you make deliberate grammar, like she called mm -hmm. them mistakes. But I, you know, whenever I was talking about black people, I would always capitalize the B. And this mm -hmm. was in the late nineties before Webster decided that's what we should be doing. Right. But I I was like, no, we're going to capitalize the B and I will get marked down. I'll take the A minus because it's right. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I turned out to be right. But anyway, um, when she said to me that, oh, you could do this for a job, um, you know, if you really enjoyed it. And that was it for me. Um, I went to college. I chose to be a marketing major instead of advertising because there was more, you know, math involved. Mm -hmm. um, I went on to get a master's in advertising. I worked in advertising. I got a PhD in advertising. I taught collegiate for a while. That wasn't great. I went back into mm -hmm. the agency. So I am here now. And this is all I've done because I love to really understand people, to understand how to connect with them. And then also for the purposes of a business end. Um, and so that's how I got here. Uh, conceptually, um, I, you know, getting the PhD, you know, there was mm -hmm. plenty that I learned in that process, like focusing on culture, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. um, and consumer activism and how consumer groups have moved and pushed change by right. way of their purchase. Um, that has impacted my work and it continues to do so. Um, but ultimately, uh, what I've learned is to the extent that I can get down to the bottom of things, which my Ph.D. program forced Right. Um, <laughs> then I can be successful, not just in my work, but also in my personal life as mm -hmm. well. Wow, that that is so powerful to really, um, you know, have the confidence, right, of being able to no matter what you do personally, professionally, you know that you have the competency and the aptitude to like figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that in and of itself helps you move forward. Can you talk about, you know, because you've overcome a lot of adversity, right? And, and if you really, you know, you're an anomaly in terms of, you know, all of the education that you have and the clarity that you had early on of like the marketing and, and it was almost kind of those, that natural kind of like effortless kind of skill set that came to you. Um, can you talk about how, you know, maybe, fears and maybe limiting beliefs? Did you ever struggle with that? And how did you push forward through that? Yes, I have lots of insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always have. Um, I've, I've always been, and, and it wasn't until I got some clarity. I mean, I'm in my 40s now, my early 40s, but like, it took me a while to get clarity in my voice. Like mm. I would always, I would, I've always been a deep thinker. My mother mm. used to say growing up, that I was too smart for my own good. <laughs> I would ask, you know, very particular questions about the world around me and, and what was happening. And I was a deep thinker. And she would just say, ah, oh, young lady, I just need you to relax and go play for a little bit. <laughs> it was too much. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think my voice has has always been a bit beyond my years mm -hmm. and it made me a little bit insecure when I was younger um, because sometimes I know that I would be processing things in a way that sometimes teachers and adults 
weren't doing or people around me who were, say, more senior, um, mm-hmm. they weren't doing that. And I worried about putting them in a corner um, from like mm-hmm. a conversation perspective, them not being able to get out of that corner and sort of blaming me for their own lack of knowledge or experience. Um, And I struggled with that a lot. Um, But I think um, being sort of being a college professor actually worked a lot of that out of me um, because it helped me to uh, to approach my conversations and my experiences and and what I bring to the table as an educator. Mm. And that's not about overpowering others with one's intellect. It's about sharing an offering exchange and then mm-hmm. being able to redirect and also asking really great questions, yes. like really great quest- questions that offer people the opportunity to challenge their own thinking mm-hmm. um, without necessarily like, you know, um, uh, lecturing mm-hmm. <laughs> to other right. people. Because even when I was in the classroom, full time, I still didn't like sort of lecturing. I liked having conversations and I like people to have space to be able to disagree, to bring all of whatever they grew up with to the table. And mm-hmm. let's like, let's interrogate it and let's think about it. If we are, you know, going to be serious um, scholars or we're going to be serious business people, then we have to be willing to, you know, have those conversations and allow ourselves to be um, challenge. And I allow myself to be challenged all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that people see as a value in me and that I also want to deliver to others. Mm, that's so important. And I mean, cause the power of like you, you, what you were describing to me and that idea of that social learning of hearing other people's stories, um, that might expand your frame of reference in in not really you know in in shifting your perspective right but i also think what's important is having your own perspective right of having that confidence to share that perspective and i think that's what you know in just a little bit of getting to know you and your background of being confident in that perspective right in a sense it's kind of building that personal brand of yourself or that reputation of being able to share that perspective or tell your own story can you can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think, one, you're a master, you're an expert in the idea of marketing and branding and those types of things. But it's just as important for a company or a product or a business. Um, it's just as important for a person or a human being to really think about what is my brand? What is that story that I'm telling? Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you yourself, you know, what are the keys to really building that personal brand or that story and having that perspective and sharing with others so that others learn as well? Yeah. So I have two ways of considering that. One is the fact that I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. like practicing, um, right. In like a in in the from the perspective of following Christ, right. but then also from the perspective of like social justice, Martin Luther mm-hmm. King, like you know that part of the Bible, right, <laughs> right. You know, you talk to other people; they'll have a different perspective. I just want right. to be clear what mine is, and so that is the foundation of my storytelling mm-hmm. and the foundation of like why I do the work that I do and how I do it and the approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I will say about Jesus that I definitely admired 
there are several places in the Bible where he always went to people. It Mm -hmm. wasn't the expectation that people come to him. Mm. And I think that brands need to have that perspective is to go to the people, is to be Mm. there for the people, is to support the people, is to enable others, um, you know, especially bigger brands to, you know, have the best experience that they can and to be, you know, a part of that and to not, you know, downgrade that or to Mm -hmm. not be so caught up in your own brand and your own ego that you miss the opportunity to really be relevant in Mm -hmm. people's lives. Right. So because like I have that foundation, it's driven everything. Um, And I had to also sit back and think about, you know, what is my purpose in life? Right. Mm -hmm. So regardless of who I work for, what I do, I had to get down to that person, that purpose is first grounded in my face. So I prayed over this. And what I came to is, you know, I want to tell stories from an atypical truth and Mm. give more people the opportunity to tell those stories who otherwise would have been left out or overlooked. Mm -hmm. If I can do that, it doesn't matter if I'm working for myself, if I'm working for or a big advertising agency, if I'm volunteering, if I'm doing that, then I am living out my purpose. And then I am the happiest that I can be. And plus, I also believe I'm doing what God has called me to do mm-hmm. in this life. So if I'm doing that, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And I, you know, and I think it, what it is, is, you know, leading by example, right? And understanding what are your core values, What are you and lead with those, right? And making sure that, you know, at the end of the day, it's that internal validation opposed to the external validation. And I think that's really, really important because I think sometimes we, you know, even in the the cohorts and the coaching, um, you know, cohorts that we coach, there are so many times where women, you know, will make decisions based on the external validation or the whole, you know, likability thing that, you know, well, I want people to like me. So you kind of go against that core kind of like that inner, your gut or that inner voice or that, you know, the values that you have for yourself and make different decisions. Can you tell, talk to me a little bit about that? Like, you know, what techniques have helped you in making those difficult decisions or taking risks that you, like you said, the atypical story or the, you know, the atypical truth, right? What helps you, what techniques really help you move forward, even though you know that you might get a little bit of noise or pushback, um, but moving forward with what you truly believe? So I think, um, I think in my mid twenties, Mm-hmm. I decided that I was going to be more interested in um, what was real and present in front of me mm-hmm. versus just what I wish things would be. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you can actually deal with what's really happening and sort of the history and the foundations that brought you to that point, mm-hmm. um, you can have more of a clear vision for the future because you know where you come from. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing. The other thing that I decided um, probably even earlier than that um, was that I was going to focus more on being fair than being liked. Mm. Um, and, And I have prioritized fairness. Now, there have been people that have 
decided that they like me, mm-hmm. you know, as a result <laughs> of that. And, you know, I happen to be very well liked where I work now. I happen to be mm-hmm. very well liked on my teams, but it's not, I don't know that it's necessarily because I'm just more likable, but the mm-hmm. value of fairness is one that I think yes. that people appreciate. And the fairness is what gets me respect. So mm-hmm. again, like for some people, I'm not even sure that all of the people who I think like me, quote unquote, actually do. But what I'm feeling is respect. Mm. But that's because I strive for fairness, meaning that I treat everybody the same. That if I have a particular standard, that standard gets applied across the board. Mm-hmm. I was like that with my students. And I'm like that now. Even when I was teaching, my students would say, oh, she's tough, but she's fair. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, if, if I didn't get extra credit, nobody's getting extra credit. It's <laughs> don't play. And it's, and, and it's the same here. And it requires a lot. It requires a lot of discipline because mm-hmm. it's easy to be sort of, um, you know, going with the wind. But I was also, as a Black girl, growing up in the United States and especially in the South, Mm-hmm. Um, by two black parents who like lived through the civil rights movement. I was never raised that being liked was an option mm. for me in order to make it in this life. Um, it's just, it just was never presented as something that could be a, a way for me to, you know, get to success. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to be liked. That was never my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation with me that you need to work hard that you need to show up and you need to be good and mm. you need to be better than good that whole and black people say you got to be twice as hard to yes. work twice as hard to get half as much that kind of thing like that's what i learned mm-hmm. good or bad or indifferent but that whole likability thing was never anything that was put on me especially from my mother and my father it was no you need to do the right thing you need to always do what's right you need to show up and be your best. Um, and then you need to, you know, advocate for yourself. Yes. Um, but that, that, those are, those were the main things. I, I, I will honestly say I didn't really have that struggle, you know, with like mm-hmm. really maybe in high school, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit, but right. That, that's so powerful. And I, that's so insightful um, because like you, you know, I grew up in a very traditional Mexican-American family and, you know, also work twice as hard, keep your head down, work really hard. But I think one of the key things that you said that really resonated with me was that idea of advocating for yourself. And I think that is a lesson that I learned the really the hard way of like, you know, you can't just keep your head down and work really hard. You've got to pick up your head, do a little bit of that self-promotion that sometimes goes against the grain of, of mm-hmm. who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because self-promotion, every time I talk about it with, you know, women that I coach or in my, you know, over my career, you get women who like cringe when we talk about self-promotion or advocating for ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how did you kind of master the art of self-promotion? And, you know, is it something that you still are honing or is it something that you're like, no, I learned really, you know, learned the lessons and I learned how to do it. And this is how, you know, someone can advocate for themselves. <laughs> I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> like, yes. you know, I've, get, I've gotten better over the years at advocating for like money, promotion, Mm -hmm. compensation, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like the whole, like, 
what's your sort of company brand, navigating social media. I'm so bad at that because I really just want to do the work. I don't mm-hmm. find um, as much joy in like, I, I love this conversation. Right. I, I just, I really, really do. Um, but I just don't find a whole lot of joy in like, just trying to like, oh, I'm gonna be on this panel and I'm gonna do this and that. I'm doing it. I am. And I'm finding Mm -hmm. sort of my way into it. And I know that it's valuable and I know that it's important, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for my own personal brand, but for my own career, but the self-promotion is hard for me, Mm -hmm. um, because I just want to, why can't I'm like, why can't I just do the work? Because people don't, um, mm-hmm. because it's not the thing that people see, you know, oftentimes. Right. And so like, how do you begin to document, you know, I mm-hmm. have at least gotten better at documenting the the work that I'm doing and my contribution. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to best package that mm-hmm. internally on a regular basis, but I feel like I'm getting close. But you do have to make a plan for it. It's not Mm -hmm. just going to happen. You have to decide, like, what are the things that you want to consistently share? Where does it need to go? Who does it need to be with? Um, And then how does that help to craft and guide where you want to go with your career? Um, And I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do and be when I grow Mm -hmm. up. But in the meantime... I at least want to get what I can get. <laughs> I figure it out. So I'm, I'm struggle. I struggle with that. I, I think I always have. Um, cause my parents mm-hmm. were still very, you know, if you do the work and you put your head down and people will notice, it's just not true. Like you have to do the work and yes. you also have to be seen. Um, yes. and within this virtual environment, it means you really have to be thoughtful about like how you're going to showcase what you're doing and really being able to like work on amplifying some of your own work. Thank you for that. Because I think the reinforcement of hearing the message that it's uncomfortable, um, it feels awkward for us, but there is a necessity to it that we have to tell our own story or our story is going to be told for us. Right. Um, And so really being able to, you know, dedicate that um, the energy and the effort to being able to, um, to do it um, against kind of the chagrin of like, I hate this. It's painful, Um, but it's, it's necessary. So I think that's the important message is that others that we do have to carve out some time in order to do that and own our story. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk uh, about which you've mentioned a little earlier. Um, one, you're a deep thinker. 
Um, and you have mentioned lots of times of really thinking about, even when you're talking about your self-promotion and, you know, uh, just put some thought into it. And so it, to me, it seems that you have a um, probably habit or daily ritual of, you know, carving out that time to think. And, and I don't think sometimes people realize how important think time is. Um, and how it can really help you in, in that, you know, career. So can you share a little bit about, you know, as being this natural deep thinker, are there any daily habits or rituals that you do in order to kind of give yourself that time to think? Mm. I, (laughs) I ebb and flow, Mm -hmm. um, but um, I definitely am a huge believer in journaling. I don't Mm -hmm. do it every day. But um, that was a practice that my mother started in me when Mm -hmm. I was little um, that I continue to do. Um, I have one journal. I have several journals, but one of the journals that I enjoy the most is um, one where I keep um, a personal journal that, you know, kind of talks about my life and my experiences, but Mm -hmm. by way of lessons I've learned. Mm. So I think I I started that one when I was like 26 and I have several um, since, you know, I started it because I'm 42 now, but Mm -hmm. I think I'm only I'm up to less than 105, I Mm -hmm. think at this point. Um, And it's it's and I try to be like a little bit. I try to be somewhat profound <laughs> when I write <laughs> these lessons just so that they're interesting because uh-huh. I wanted to be able to kind of look back on it years later or have a future generation look at it and say, <laughs> oh, this is an interesting one. Um, but I think I think um I think it's important to sort of chronicle what you're learning along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, you can begin to see how that can somewhat apply to your work. You know, mm-hmm. like one of my, one of my favorite lessons that I wrote down is don't judge a book by its cover, even if it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first part of it is something that we've always heard. The beautiful part is actually where we can get caught up. Right. You know, it's easy to stay away from things that don't seem shiny, glittery, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever. But you can really be drawn in by things that look really good and beautiful on the surface. And you can get caught up in those things that could be romantic or it could be (laughs) work, (laughs) you know, or a job or a company or, you know, that, you know, or a church. It could be just several things, Mm -hmm. but it's really you know, that was one of those things about getting beneath the surface and really figuring out what's going on. But I think allowing yourself time to process mm-hmm. and write um, and dream is so important, like to, yes. to imagine in the future and what things can be for yourself, even when nothing seems like it should, like it's fallen mm-hmm. in place. Um, and just to allow yourself to have that hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the, those are the things that I do consistently. Now I don't, again, I don't always do them every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get caught up in the day, just like everyone else, yes. but just really understanding that we need that space. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I will say is one of my, um, I won't call her name, but one of my, um, former church members from when I lived in Texas 
posted something on Facebook that was just so profound to me that I Mm -hmm. need to write down. But she said, um, uh, do not get upset with your family for violating boundaries that you have not set. Mm. Meaning that, you know, if you need space and time for yourself to do a particular thing, you need to express that to your family and the people who live with you, with you and your friends, um, so that you can have that space and time to do that. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're going to be frustrated because you'll have people all around you always violating that time, but you have not set that boundary. So I think that's the other important thing is, is for all of the things that are really important to you, it's important for you to set those boundaries, especially with with people who love you yes. because everybody wants to be in your face yes. <laughs> Well, they love you all the time. Are you just like, you got, wait a minute, I need a moment. Right. And so, you know, that, that is something that I have to make sure that I do for myself as well is mm. set boundaries. That is so powerful. And I think that's the one thing that we, you know, we may have boundaries, but have we communicated those boundaries? Um, and I think that's the important thing. It's very similar to how we always say you have to have clarity, right? clarity on the boundaries that you need or clarity on the things that you want and how you're going to get there. Um, and usually it, you have to carve boundaries or place those boundaries in there so that you can get those things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the clarity and you don't set the boundaries, then how are you going to get there? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now talking a little bit about, you know, boundaries and people who are close to you, um, because a lot of the times you, we hear the saying, right, it takes a village, right? So if you have clarity on the goals that you want, you're communicating those boundaries. Um, you know, how has community played a part in your career and in your success in terms of leveraging your community? Um, you know, what would you say about that in terms of, you know, not trying to do everything on your own or being isolated in, in your own kind of career? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, community has meant everything to me. Um, again, I have to give my parents a lot of credit for this mm-hmm. because um, my mother, you know, in particular, my mother and my father, but my mother in particular was um, very much an advocate of me having girls as mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and to like really sort of build up my sisterhood community from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, just women from like different backgrounds and different experiences. She was very deliberate about giving me dolls that represented um, multicultural uh, Mm. groups of women because she found it really important that I see beauty and value in all different women from all different backgrounds. Mm. Um, And not that she wasn't (laughs) wanting me to, you know, connect with boys, I Uh I guess, but she, she just really put a lot of effort into that um so much so that the woman that i claim as my best friend now to this day um you know uh, i met her when i moved to north carolina when i was in the eighth grade from texas Mm -hmm. and i met her because my mother insisted that she and i be friends Mm -hmm. um and that she worked that was my mother's co-worker and my mother said i think that you know she would be a great friend for amber i think we need to make sure that they connect Mm -hmm. um and she is my best 
friend to this day, my <laughs> sister friend and my mother initiated making sure. And so like that is something that has been ingrained in me. I value that friendship so much. We've helped each other through so many different things over the mm-hmm. years. And I am forever grateful to my mother for insisting Mm-hmm. That those relationships are things that I treasure. And mm-hmm. so like I've been a very big, you know, ever, of course, I've been a very big um, advocate for, you know, sisterhood. Um, I'm in a historically black sorority. Um, and, you know, I've just, you know, that sort of that, that connection to women friends mm-hmm. has just been so important and so sustaining for me. My parents are also both graduates um, for both undergraduate and graduate school. They're both graduates of historically black colleges and they insisted that Mm -hmm. I go to a historically black college for undergrad. And, you know, again, just expanding that community and that Mm -hmm. sort of brother and sisterhood by way of that being in an institution that is expecting for you to succeed. That's right. For you to succeed versus Mm -hmm. one that would be surprised. Um, Mm -hmm. are both experiences that I've had, but that experience was so foundational for me as a young adult, because now when I went out into the world, I understood the difference. Mm -hmm. I understood the difference of being in a power dynamic where there were people in powerful positions that expected you to do well versus those who just kind of needed you to be there to check a box. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that is, that is an un, I, I can't like express how much having that experience um, has helped me to understand where places, places that were good for me and those that weren't. Right. Um, but yeah, so th- those, those sorts of communities. So my sorority, HBCU, church, mm-hmm. you know, all, you know, you know, professional communities. I've always looked, I've always been searching for my people mm-hmm. and that value was instilled in me when I was young. Um, I was a part of PhD project as a mm-hmm. student, yes. which, um, which is invaluable to me. I'm presently a board member on uh, Marketing Ethnic Faculty Association, which you know first started as an alumni of the Marketing um, DSA for P- for PhD project, and mm-hmm. you know just even that community of like you know people of color, uh, predominantly Hispanic, Black, and Indigenous people with marketing and advertising related PhDs trying to make it. You know, yes, but yes. That, that community is like, you know, everything. So even as I'm not in academia full time, I still find so much value in that community and supporting that community. So um, it's everything. But that was ingrained in me in childhood. So, wow, that is that is beautiful. And I think, you know, the message that I was able to distill is that the being intentional being intentional of making those connections with like-minded individuals or surrounding yourself with individuals that are going to to help you level up is, Mm -hmm. is key. And I think that's the one thing that I see a lot of the times where women um, and the research shows that we don't, we're not intentional and we don't leverage or we're not strategic about building that community um, of individuals that are going to help you succeed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that your mother was brilliant in that she instilled that in, in you um, because 
you surround yourself with people, like you say, that expect you to do well, right? <laughs> and lift you up to do well. And it goes to that saying, right? That, you know, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. So you have to be intentional in seeking that out. And I see evidence of that as you went through your career, whether it was, you know, in college, in your actual career in academia, where you're surrounding yourself with people um, that really help you you know, keep moving forward. So the motivation is there. So that is beautiful. I could go on and on and have, you know, conversation. I know we're wrapping up on time, but I have to touch our lightning round questions, which I find uh, fascinating. They're part of my, the favorite part of, of the interview for me because they tell so much. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're ready for that, I'd like to, to, to dive into those lightning questions and share um, what comes to mind for you. Um, so first and foremost, what book has greatly influenced you? Oh, my gosh. I love books. <laughs> oh. You know, I just I saw this question and I was just like, oh, OK, but I'll just go with right now. Uh, mm -hmm. The Warmth of Other Sons. Mm, what, um, say that again. I missed it. The Warmth of Other Sons. OK. Fantastic. Um, because I think in this moment right now, um, we're, we're seeing all of this violence. Mm. And I think it's important for us to capture based on our own history in this country. And whether you're an immigrant or, you know, you've been here for multiple generations, you have people in history in mm -hmm. this country. And it's so important for you to know what that is so you can mm -hmm. understand context. Like when you understand, at least for me, when I understand the history of violence that even made this country what it is and how much this country has benefited from labor exploitation and so many other sorts of exploitation mm -hmm. and violence, yeah. then what's happening right now makes a lot more sense. It doesn't make it better, but it makes more sense. And then when you understand where things are coming from, again, you know where you're headed. So that book right now is the one that kind of mm. helped me. I'm definitely going to look into that one. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Um, oh, um, uh, okay, this is going to be, this is going to sound corny. Um, always believe and invest in yourself. Mm, it's not um, corny. <laughs> You I know, but people your, say that. You are your own best investment. It's just like <laughs> you, you know, are. <laughs> you are, but believing in yourself, even when people who love you um, are unsure or yes. will doubt you, that's the hardest part. Yes. You, you, you're always like, you know, it's always one thing for people to be sort of naysayers that don't know you very well. You know? mm -hmm. But when it's like a family member or if it's a spouse or a sibling or somebody that you've learned, you've known for a long time, it can really be hard. And then you right. start to question yourself. So it's it's really about like knowing what's right, doing what you think is right. And like mm -hmm. my mom used to say, you know, the people who love you, they'll come around. Mm, that's so powerful. What is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself? Um, a perseverer. Mm. Yes. Um, or someone who perseveres. I don't even know if perseverer is a real word. It'll be um, your word. <laughs> it'll be my word. Yeah. Yes. Because um, I think a good lesson and a hard lesson that I learned is that um, for many things, most things in life, being smart isn't good enough. 
Mm. It might just get you in the door. Um, mm. But perseverance and emotional intelligence will take you over leaps and bounds. Mm. And so that's what I learned as a PhD student, that big spark just got me through the door. But to graduate and finish with all of those egos and with all of the <laughs> pushback and everything that could keep you from succeeding, um, that perseverance and emotional intelligence is what will get you through. Mm, that is so insightful and powerful. I love that. What is one change, a habit, a behavior, action um, that you implemented that made your life better? Um, taking rest seriously, but then understanding the dimensions of rest. Um, there's this uh, Instagram uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like group that I follow called the NAP Ministry, mm-hmm. NAP Mini- NAP? Uh, Ministry, okay. uh-huh. the NAP Ministry, and um, it's faith based. And you know, on the surface, it seems like really kitsch and cute, but uh-huh. like they really talk about um, the value of prayer as part mm-hmm. of rest, mm-hmm. um, the uh, um, connecting with community and loved ones as part of rest. Of mm-hmm. course, getting your sleep as part of yes. rest, uh-huh. taking naps, um, but just like being in community is rest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, engaging in your faith is rest, like all of these aspects of rest that I had not considered and like really dedicating time to make sure that I'm practicing some aspect of rest beyond sleep every mm-hmm. day. And yes. that has reduced my stress level. <laughs> that helped me to lose weight, <laughs> mm. you know, yes. uh, just like all kinds of good, healthy things, because like I can, I understand now that rest is multidimensional and that I have to um, prioritize it and engage in so many different aspects of it in order to be whole and healthy. Wow. I love that. And I love what you just said of rest or self-care being multidimensional. It doesn't just mean sleep. There are so many things that'll help ground you that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that can be defined as rest. I think that's beautiful. That's awesome. Okay, so closing it out, what power song? So let's imagine you're about to walk out on stage. There's thousands of people out there. What song would be playing in the background as you walked out on the stage? Oh my God. I forgot this one. <laughs> um, What's your power song? What song gets you going? Uh, uh, All the Stars, Kendrick Lamar. All the Stars. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good I, one. I think one of the reasons why, because that's like one of my workout songs uh-huh. that I'm always playing. But I think the first time I heard it, um, I was um, really struggling with, mm-hmm. you know, how I, was, how I was being perceived. I think I was making mm-hmm. the transition from academia back to the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was worried about whether I could do it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried about whether all of this new perspective I've gathered um, would be useful on a day-to-day in the mm-hmm. agency, I, you know, had freelanced all those years when I was in academia, but it's not the same exactly right. when you're like in, in it on a day to day. And, and I just needed 
to hype myself up. And that was one of those songs that you know, <laughs> got me back into myself. And then, you know, where you have to have songs and creative yes. inspiration that helps you to know who you are. Um, uh-huh. And that was, or remind you who you are. And that was one of those. Fantastic. Well, Amber, thank you so much for all of your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. Um, and I know that usually we get people who reach out all the time and say, hey, how can I connect with Amber? What's the best way for people to connect? Is it Instagram, LinkedIn? Oh, uh, LinkedIn. Fantastic. <laughs> LinkedIn is the best. Um, all right. Like not great at social media, but I at least try to keep that one updated and checked. So that is the best way to connect with me. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. It was a pleasure having you and I look forward to staying connected to you. Yes, I would adore that. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.